and welcome to Jerry Talks Comics. This is the podcast that I talk to friends about the comics being really enjoying lately, plus creator interviews and some episodes. Normally I say that's the other way around, but mix it up today. Sure, why not? This episode, we've got another creator chit-chat for you here. I talked with the writer and the artist of the upcoming Sourcepoint Press one-shot, Etheris, Anes Abdelhak, and Dennis Menhir. I realised that those okay. Uh, edited by Michelle Abound-Ada, edited by DC Hopkins. Again, sorry, I hope I said those right. This is a gorgeous, enchanting, unique, very poetic reading experience. One of the most unique reading experiences of the year so far. I would highly recommend it if you can, if you even want to check it out, if you think it might be something that you're interested in. It's on final order cutoff, February 28th, so if you're listening to this the day it comes out, you have six days left to order it, and if you're listening to this beyond that, then thank you, and also hopefully your shop might still be able to order it for you if there's only left the distributor. Otherwise, yes, it comes out March 22nd, so again, highly recommend it. Make sure to order it if you're like a comic store if you're interested. Uh, pre-orders are essential to the success of a comic like this. It's great and definitely deserves your support if you're, if you're interested. Yes, I just read that from the show notes because it's a useful line to have, and it is very true. It's something that keeps coming up in these creator chit-chats, talking with more and more indie creators, how essential the your support is to their success because they could not do this without you. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this and I'll see you on the other side. Anis and Dennis, welcome to the podcast. It's exciting to have you here. I know we organised and arranged this a couple of months ago, so I'm glad it's finally come around. Me too. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, for sure. And I think this will be an interesting conversation, hopefully, because so far I've talked with a few writers and one artist, and I had a conversation which will be out next week uh where i, I was with a co-host talking with a writer and an artist but it's cool just um ha- being on my own and just like getting to see those like both sides both perspectives of the like the writing and the art so yeah so first of all before we start do you want to uh introduce yourselves and the concept and idea of a theorist sure dennis you want to go first uh, sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Dennis. I am the the illustrator on Etheris. Uh, this is uh, my first comic book, actually, and uh, we're very happy to be uh, published by Sourcebook Press. It's coming out next month in uh, the second twenty second of March, uh, but the pre order date is not closed yet. So uh, I'll let Anas do all the introductory storytelling. Okay. Um, my name is Anas Abdulhak. I'm a writer from Syria. And Etheris is my third comic book, um, the first two having been self-published. So, so this is my first time being published by a, by a press, and I'm, it's really exciting, to be honest. Um, the concept of Etheris has always been just asking the question of where do souls go when they don't belong anywhere else? Like, no heaven, nor hell, just existing in kind of a limbo. And I really wanted to explore that and how and why someone would go there in the first place, or they would think that they belong there. And so this whole concept of, you know, tackling self-loathing and trauma and how we, how our, you know, perception of ourselves reflects onto our afterlife, I really wanted to tackle that in Etheris. And I 
you know, I'm glad to have collaborated with Dennis, who brought this world beautifully. And uh, yeah, it comes out, as, Mar- uh, as Dennis said, in March 22nd. And the final order cutoff is in eight days on the 28th of February. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think by the time this episode goes out, it might be six days. If, if you're listening to this on um, release day, but yes, 28th. Is it that twenty? Yeah, it's next week, twenty eighth of February. So definitely worth reading. And what one thing that I was curious about, you, you mentioned that uh, Annis is your third comic, and Dennis is your first comic. Which yeah, again, again, uh, something to get into. It's incredible work for like a first comic. But so, how did you two meet? How did this uh, first come about? Uh, Dennis. Right. Uh, so, um, well, the stars aligned. Actually, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> uh, we, I, uh, we, I was in a in a position where I was, um, I felt like I, uh, I was ready to get into comic books because that was something I always wanted to do since I was a little boy. But I never felt like uh, my, my my skills were up to par with with uh, the books I had on my on my shelves. <clears throat> but uh, at some point, I felt uh, okay. I could try and do this. So I, I reached out on um, a, a Facebook group, which is uh, for writers connecting comic books. I, I always forget the title. But uh, so I, I made an account, especially for that, because I'm, I'm not really on Facebook at all. Uh, and uh, I didn't even use my, my, my name in there. And uh, in this group, you couldn't post examples of work um, that were from like uh, uh, different companies. So no Spider-Man or Batman stuff or anything. So I had no uh, examples to show. So I just posted uh, something along the lines of, hey, I want to do some comics. Uh, you got a good story. And uh, Anis found me and uh, he ignored all the red flags and uh, found my Instagram. <laughs> it does have some art. And uh, he contacted me and uh, we went from there. Yeah. And initially we were going to be working on another project that was going to be a mini series. But uh, we, with our both our schedules, we opted to go for Etheris first, and then circle back to the other project later down the line. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it, it is cool when, and I think this is something that's come up a, a few times in various like greater chit chats and episodes about using social media to like connect and reach out to people. And what's that? What what that's how people have been able to like utilize that? I, th- I think it's quite cool to just. Like find out about in this like modern age we live in. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't even know how they used to do it back in the day. Like, when if you wanted to make indie comics, what would you do? <laughs> would you just mail someone you found their work in like a gallery or something? I have no idea. Well, yeah, I don't know because I think there was maybe maybe if you were just like making something with your friends. I mean, like if you think like Eastman and Laird from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes to mind, mm-hmm. like how how much. That was just sort of like very indie, and where it just took off from there. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's always amazing how things got made back in the day. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to find Dennis and connect with him because you know, throughout making this book, we like really grew to become really good friends, and I consider him to be like one of the closest friends that I have. So I'm you know all turned out for the best. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Dennis, yeah. The, Art st- the art style of Ethereus is honestly just perfect for the story. Thank you. Because it's a, it's a very dreamlike feel, and which just fits with the whole afterlife like aesthetic, I guess. Is that sort of style something that 
you already sort of like had in mind or is it something that you had to like work towards and like specifically try and achieve to like, get that aesthetic for the story well uh after i read the script uh this just came naturally i think like you mm. said it needed to be dreamlike and uh unreal and uh i thought this was the best way to approach that uh especially using colors uh, specifically because colors are important for for mood setting and i've talked about this before so the the usage of colors is was the most important thing for me um, to really convey the the moods that that the 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 afterlife brings in this story. So um, that was the main focal point for me. Uh, it's 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 all colors, and I I think uh, Anas and I discussed that uh, hundreds of times. Like what color would fit this mood, or what are we trying to convey? And that was uh that was kind of the process behind that. It's all colors. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's always cool when the uh, I know that that's something that maybe you start to appreciate more as you sort of like read more comics in it, especially if you're like like reviewing comics and thinking like more deeply about them. Then you, you start, it's interesting over the years you know, so I've start, start uh, I've started thinking more about like the colors and that, that lettering and yeah, it's all part of the process and a lot yeah, of it exactly. is appreciated. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, especially uh, as an illustrator, I, I, it, I, whenever I read a comic, I, I really look at the, the process behind everything. Um, and, uh, you know, most most uh, like pencilers are um, praised to the heavens, but the colorists are usually uh, the, the, the ones that really um, emphasize on the, the tone of the book. And uh, yeah, so what you just said about when you started reviewing that you see co- uh, comics in a different kind of perspective that that is uh something that you need to do as a creator i think uh really look at all the individual aspects of what makes a comic uh good or bad or interesting or what conveys what what uh, the the mood it needs to convey so that is uh that is absolutely correct yeah definitely and I know some of my longest and most like comprehensive comic reviews are also when, and some of my favorite comics are when like every aspect of the book is like hitting on all cylinders. When I can like talk ages about like the writing and then the art and the colors and the lettering, and it it all just comes together. And it's exactly what you say about the mood and the like atmosphere yeah. because it, it is interesting. In terms of, I know recently I've been reading some more, I've still gotten into some like black and white comics. Like, I, I mean, that one of the most notable ones ever I read late last year, like the first Walking Dead compendium. Mm-hmm. And even even just like yesterday, as of recording, when I was finishing the Murder Falcon deluxe edition from Daniel Warren Johnson, where they had some of the like behind the scenes, like gallery in the back extras. No, those are some and, of my favorite pages in any comic book. Yeah, 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 because there were some like black and white versions of the spread, so you, you could see like Daniel's original pencils, and that's like incredible enough as it is. Because if you've read his work, you know about like the detail and everything that he gets in. But then you sort of like flick back because they, they had one of like the, like the key action scenes from the book. So I was like, this is really cool. And then I, I flicked back and looked at the like full colors page how it was colored by Mike Spicer and it's just like a whole nother level and so it, it, it's just it, it is it's so cool how like some like great coloring can 
elevate something that's already really impressive. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, it's like a song, you know, you, can, you need like the drums and the guitar and the keyboard and the everything to make a complete uh, whole picture, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, a really apt comparison. And it, I suppose it sort of leads nicely into some of the ideas of a theorist and Alice's writing with the like poetry, because basically just like the whole issue is just like poetry and narration and it, even like any dialogue it, it's just narration rather than actual dialogue which makes yeah. it quite interesting unique read what was the sort of process to so there were a lot of interviews we talked about your sort of love of love poetry so i do but i felt like it was also very right for the story because i wanted to like mm. emphasize the isolation that mm, of yeah. the process what she's going yeah. through and i felt like if there was a lot of dialogue between valerie and the creature it would kind of take away from how solitary this journey is, you know, how it's a it's a journey she has to take on her own. And so I felt like uh, just having narration with little bits of, you know, what the back and forth is between her and the creature would be perfect. And of course, my love for poetry had to be <laughs> included to really um, sell her backstory and just tell what, you know, uh, fill in the gaps of her background. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that, but now you mention it, that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because it, it does feel very powerful in that sense as a read, just because it's like so atmospheric. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you think so. Yeah, and I mean, because I, I was reading this, I, I sort of checked this out last night, like before I went to bed, just to get it read before this interview. And it, it was the sort of thing where I always love when there's like a one shot comic that can achieved so much in like a single issue because there are some like fa- fantastic stories that go over like dozens and dozens of issues which is like equally enjoyable but then it's just something special when you can achieve like so much within one issue in those like 32 pages where i think like especially these days when the prices of comics seems to be going like higher and higher it's always like special and something worth checking out when you can it's something that like takes your time like reading it and you can probably like soak it in and appreciate it because I, I wasn't entirely sure like what to expect but yeah it, it, it was a really interesting read for sure i'm really glad were there any so were there any particular challenges in trying to make sure that you sort of covered everything you wanted to along the journey within the like what, 32 pages or so um you know, we, we never really had um, a page limit in mind, like because right. this is a comic book, I, I didn't even know if we were going to get picked up by a publisher. So I thought right. we could, like, I, I, you know, I just wanted to tell the story in as many pages as it took. And along the way, we just settled on that number. You know, we've, you know, this, we, we told the entire story that we wanted to tell. We had no constraints when it came to page limits or anything like that. And once it was complete, you know, that's when we started pitching it around and being like, okay, now we know we have a vision for what we have. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, every comic book that I've put out so far has had varying um, page numbers. I didn't, I never stuck with the classic, like 24 pages per issue. So yeah, I think that's a benefit of doing indie comics, really. True. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And I think that's something that's always notable these days, especially as I'm talking to more and more indie creators when you can have that freedom and especially like along kickstarters and all of those and just like the amount of 
again, like the resources that are out there these days for these creators. Mm-hmm. But what, also, like, so were there any particular? Mm, no, Sorry. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just saying, like, uh, when you were working with a publisher, you have the constraint of the the deadline, right? And that's something that you have to take into consideration with the page count. Like, you have to, you know complete a certain number of pages by a certain date in order for the book to make it on time. But for us, we didn't really have that issue because we were just taking it one day at a time and just creating the best work that we could. And when it came out, it, it would come out. Like, that was that was about it. Yeah, that was a good thing too because, you know. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. Yeah, so uh, how long was this in like production then? When did you start working on it properly? January 2021. Uh. <laughs> yeah so a long time then yeah but i mean you could see the, the the effort that really went into it you know like it's it's worth that time i, I say uh was yeah, it the... 2022 though <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long come on what it was a year yeah well not 2021 that's like th- that's that's more than two years ago man sorry 2022 yeah. i said 2022 well, to clarify, when 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 we started, I still had a day job, uh, and um, uh, we, we I fathered a, a daughter, so you know, yeah, I didn't I didn't always have the time to do comic books, but uh, in in May of last year, I decided to not work for the man anymore and <laughs> uh, just uh, do comic books. So that sped things up considerably. Little side note there. Yeah, that that is cool. I, I think that's always something notable when you can like quit your day job and like, properly pursue what you want to full time. So uh, I imagine that must have been a great feeling. Um, ask me in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose it depends on the practicality of what happens. But in theory, in theory, it's nice. Yeah, I'm just lucky to. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands, and um, you know, the, the there was an opportunity for me to do this. It's not like uh, for for a while I was. Uh, financially stable without uh, working for uh, for a boss, so that helps. I mean, y- you gotta make a living, and especially when you have a kid, you know, you gotta you gotta pay the rent, pay the food. It needs to happen. So uh, that's that's just a, a, a coincidence, I think. A good coincidence that I live in the Netherlands, where you know they try to take care of the people as much as possible and won't put you out on the street. So you know, if you if you're listening and you want to quit your day job and do comic books in in the <laughs> hopes that you get published, you know, you got to think about what you're doing. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it, it can't necessarily be as maybe idyllic as it, it might seem, because again, like as you say, you've got, just got to make sure that that cash flow is coming in and everything. Yeah. How how about that sort of aspects of that going then these days is that is that something that's um difficult or, or is it something that's uh, I, i'm not, not going to say it's, is it something that's easy but is it how is it sort of going in that sense well um we got we got a, a publishing thing so that that was i didn't know that in may uh when i quit the day job so that is good and um once we got to show some stuff from our book and uh, i had time to do a lot of work too like uh, just I don't know, uh, Spider-Man uh, fan art. Uh, for instance, I got uh, a lot more requests to do other work, so uh, it's looking it's looking good. And now that uh, the comic is is almost out, uh, yeah, I have a pretty full inbox. So I hope uh, I hope I can continue doing this until I'm like 150 years old. <laughs> 
Nice, yeah. I mean, like, just looking at your work on the FRS, I, I would hope so. Now, lots of people are getting to hopefully see it. I hope so, yeah. But you never know, you know, some people, um, they're, like, insanely talented but never, you know, get anywhere or don't get published or not picked up, so you never know. It's it's a matter of uh, being there at the, the, the right place in the right time, I think, and uh, also... Uh, that's the reality of of, uh, of the modern times. You gotta promote yourself. You gotta be on the social networks and uh, do the do the stuff. And uh, Anas is excellent at promoting stuff, so that that really helps. Because <laughs> sometimes I just forget about it. But um, you, re- you really gotta put yourself out there and and uh, you know also do interviews and uh, make content, as they say, and uh, talk to people in the industry as well, and uh, not not be uh, like rude about it, but just. Uh, ask people's opinions and feedback, uh, try and get in touch with other editors. I, I went to a con for the first time last year and I got to talk to uh, some some major players in the comic book industry and they gave me advice. So that kind of stuff you really have to do to in order to make it. I think that's not just artists, but writers as well. Maybe it's even harder for writer, writers actually because, you know, uh, uh, comics are a visual medium and people respond to the visuals a lot. But uh, for for stories, you got to read a multitude of stories to see if a writer is any good or no, or they will yeah. fit your story. So it's even harder for them. Yeah, because I mean, the, I think, yeah, there are there's so many different elements to like, creating a comic that, especially like particularly at an indie level, that maybe people don't always like, necessarily realize or uh, appreciate, because as you say, you've got to like promote it all. Like yourself especially if you're doing like a kickstarter or anything like that where uh, i know like some creators are sort of like throwing themselves in the deep end in terms of just like building up that like hype and that uh like traction on social media and i, I think it sort of speaks to what you we were saying at the, the beginning when like, social media is such an integral part of it these days it's hard to imagine um like the industry without it it, it would have been impossible, I think, uh, for, for us at least, because we do not live in the in the U.S. and um, uh, or the U.K. because that's a good market too. But um, it would have been impossible 15 years ago. I always yeah. thought it was impossible as a kid. I thought you had to go to New York, send in your portfolio amongst 5,000 other portfolios, and then maybe get handpicked by Stan the Man. <laughs> and that, that, that's the way it went. But apparently, you can do it yourself, and and you know, get some eyes on your book. Yeah. It, it is cool that more and more there's still there's still a long way to go in some aspects, but it is cool like like seeing like more and more people like sharing their like creative ideas and what they want to like put out there. Just n- not only in terms of like in, into indie comics and beyond, but as you say, like we like, neither of you are from like the US or the UK, but just like trying to. Uh, you can like still make it work do like the wonders of the technology with like like communication and promotion and it, it, it is really cool and exciting to see because like yeah everyone's unique voices are just what makes something truly special hmm. sounds cliche but it's true isn't it <laughs> it is yeah so how did uh Ethereum get picked up by uh, source point press what was that sort of journey like uh it was long um there was a lot of pitching and a lot of uh you know knocking on doors and not hearing back anything at all uh we had a set number of like uh you know a select few publishers that we were interested in possibly getting this book out with um we we made you know we we shot our shot and we tried with the big ones and we didn't hear back from any of them at all 
And SourcePoint was actually the only one that got back to us and was interested in the book. And they took a chance on us being a couple of, you know, no names, um, just because they really liked the project. Like they, I remember them telling me that their slate was entirely full, but they just really liked the comic book and they wanted to find a way to make it happen. And um, I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that they, you know, took a chance on us. And um, yeah, at first we didn't even have um, a slot. Like, because their lineup was entirely full, so we didn't know when the book was coming out. This was back in uh, August, I think, when we signed the contract. And then we had to hope for, like, you know, a book to fall through so that we can kind of, like, swoop in and take their slot. Otherwise, this book would not be coming out right now. It would probably be coming out, like, late 2023. Um, so, yeah, around, like, December, we heard that there was going to be an opening for us in March, and the book was ready by then. So it was, you know, all ours for the taking, and here we are now. Nice, yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine that. Uh, I don't know. I keep saying that, but I, I it, it is interesting to hear about. And uh, again, just sort of saying this again, the like the different aspects of like how things are going when, like, how long this has been in like, the works and everything with with the publisher. And how was it like, like working like with them? Have you like much like contact with them in terms of like? Um, well, we after, just sort of waiting around for, sorry. After we submitted the book, um, we just had to like go through a final, like a round of edits with our managing editor who was Cam mm -hmm. at that point. And so we just had to like clear up the, you know, the style guide according to how they publish books and just make some little tweaks when it comes to lettering. But other than that, they gave us full creative freedom to do whatever we felt was best. Uh, the cover, like they had no interference with the cover or any of the, you know, the actual contents of the book, which I thought was, was wonderful. And so they just received the full, you know, full package and helped us fine tune it. And then it was ready for publishing. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's great that you got picked up then, but also that you were just able to have that freedom to like, publish it mostly like you wanted then. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew kind of this kind of story, which is like entirely too niche for, a larger market if any you know other publisher would have wanted it or like you know if it was going to be go to like a direct book market kind of thing they were they was going to have a lot of editorial input on how to tell the story in order for it to sell better for audiences and so i never wanted to take that route with this kind of book like it's not a superhero comic book it's not an action spy thriller like it's just a, a very personal story and i needed to tell it my own way yeah and um, I, I sort of mentioned earlier about the the art style having a very dreamlike quality and sort of leading off that the the story also has that quality quite a bit like you say there's no like superhero action or anything but just like the way the, sto the storytelling is very fluid in terms of how that the events like flow into each other mm -hmm. like, like like a dream almost there are just sort of just sort of happens you don't fully realize what what's going on so yeah, it, it's it's a very cool and unique experience to see. And how? Sorry. So I was so I was just thinking how to how to phrase this. How was it something that? Um, how did you go about like like plotting out the like events of, of the one shot? Was was it something that sort of came to you quite easily, or did you have to sort of work out like over a longer period of time how like what you wanted exactly to to happen and like how the like poetry and narration fit into that? So the poems came first, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I started working on the poems back in 2019. Um, right. 
yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> um, and I, once I figured out where I want, what I wanted to do with the poems and what kind of story I wanted to tell with them, because I was just at that point um, in a grieving process. And so I was just writing to release. And, you know, at some point I felt like these poems could be connected in a way. And um, once I found, like, figured out what I want, what kind of story I wanted to tell with those poems, what I wanted to say, that was when I started, you know, uh, figuring out the world of Etheris and trying to tell Valerie's story. Um, I knew there was going to be definitely like uh, trials that she had to experience in order to reach the final resting place. And so it was just a matter of figuring out how those trials were going to look and what they're going to be. And I really didn't, I wanted it to be respectful in a way, like I didn't want it to come off like it's, um, you know, just, I don't know how to, how to word it. I, I wanted them not to be like, I'm just torturing this character for the sake of torturing them. I right, wanted yeah. to have a purpose. And I wanted each one of those trials to reflect on her backstory and what she's experiencing as a character. So I'm glad with how it turned out. Um, you know, I never, I didn't even consider getting uh, an artist on the book until I had everything figured out. And even when Dennis came in, there was still room for improvement and for like, you know, changing things up and figuring out how to best tell that story in a respectful way. Yeah, because uh, there are so many elements to the story. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the, just how much is like fit into like one, one issue. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's always tricky when you're writing um, like female characters. Uh, I was very nervous about how it might come off for me as like a, an, right. a, a map writer uh, putting a female character through so much pain, like it would come off kind of like torture porn or something. So when I when I started working with uh, Michelle Abinator, who was the editor on the book, I was like, you know, I need you to tell me like how this is coming off. Like, does it come off like I'm actually enjoying torturing this character because I really do not. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting counterpoint with how like gorgeous the art is in terms of it, it's nothing like say like Lovesick by the one of Ichiro from Image. That's it, it, these two books are completely unrelated to Etheris, but just in terms of the idea of having like gorgeous art for a story that maybe it isn't necessarily as like light-hearted as like the, the prettiness of the art yeah. might seem for lack of a better word yeah we should uh... talk about that too because i i also didn't want to draw val like really tortured from um kind of disrespectful angles or anything like that so so that was uh, important that that was not the focus of uh of, of the of the story at all yes we did not want to sexualize her in any way. We'd want it to be very respectful of her as a character. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there are some things these days that <clears throat> Sorry. have their audiences and some get maybe go very far that aren't the best. But it's, so that's sort of, like, great to hear that you sort of thought about that and tried, like, tried, tried to make it, like, sensitive and had those concerns to make sure you were like doing okay with that sense. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you're trying to tell a story this personal, you have to make you have to be very conscious of what you're trying what what message you're sending, you know? I feel like if this comic book were to come out in like the the 90s for example by a certain artist, uh, <laughs> Valerie would be like, you know, wobbling around uh, with a, like cleavage <laughs> and just, you know, oh, very uncomfortable angles and shots. I am just imagining that right now. <laughs> <laughs> with like a spine so tiny it would crack in like like a toothpick. <laughs> oh, this is a slight tangent, but it, it reminds me of this is a great Twitter account where it posts like 
life-filled versions of Watchmen characters. I know the one, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I love that account. Oh, I love that account. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's so funny to... There's these uh these these notes that he sends to like other uh, artists like needs more teeth and stuff. I love that. Okay, well, let's let's not slander anyone here. <laughs> no, it was just oh oh good fun. It's all good. Yeah, but what might be a, a nice question like leading off of that is, do you two have any particular influences in yours of writing and? Uh, art, respectively, that, that notable influences. Dennis, book or, or or in general. Well, maybe so both. Maybe so it just right. depends yeah. on what what you're sort of thinking. Because for me, that that differs quite a bit. Uh, because right. I really try to, uh, like we talked about in the, at the start, um, specify the art for this book in particular. So uh, I've been asked this before, but I I couldn't really name uh, any. Uh, specific artist that I look to for this, you know. But in in general, the, there's a lot of artists I look up to um, and have read throughout my life. Uh, n- not all of them are comic related at all, but um, yeah, I love uh, like James Heron. Mike Minola is, is a is a big one for me. I love his stuff. But you wouldn't. I, I don't think you could could see that in in Etheris specifically. You wouldn't be like reading Etheris and like, oh, he likes he likes Hellboy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, maybe maybe it's uh, it's. Uh, you can you can't see it. Uh, Chris Pachalo is one of my favorite. I, I like artists that uh, when you see one their work, you just know it's them. You know, I love yeah, them. yeah, yeah. That those are usually my favorites. Bill Sinkevich is is one of those. I've always loved him. Love Sinkevich. Oh, it's just gorgeous. But it can also be very ugly, which is what I like about his stuff as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- those are big influences of mine. And outside of that, I, I love going to museums and uh, looking at art. I like uh, graphic design a lot. I like Bio- Bauhaus, for instance. It has nothing to do with comics, but it does influence me and, and colors. So, Yeah, I think for me, um, Jeff Lemire is someone I really look up to in terms of writing quality and the amount of output that he puts out there. Like he has so many projects going on at the exact same time. It's it's wild how he has the time to write all of these projects, something very admirable because comics can be, well, while they take for a very long time, but they're very time consuming. And so he's like having 10, 15 books out at any given moment. That's That's wild to me. Um, and I always enjoy his work. He's such a talented writer. Um, Brian K. Vaughan is another one of the, another writer that I really admire his style and how he writes human connections and how he really makes you care about these characters that you just you just met a few issues ago. Um, it's just like really gut wrenching, um, emotional kind of style of writing that I enjoy doing. Uh, if you've read any of my stuff, it's all very in that vein. But I also take a lot of inspiration from Arabic poetry, which I grew up reading a lot in school and loving. Um, my first foray into writing was actually poetry. So it's um, it's something that I, I love very much and I try to incorporate into my style when it comes to what I want to say. And I feel like I've, I've been told that my style is kind of outdated when it comes to English poetry because, you know, English poetry has really turned into more freeform and less structured. And I still cling on to that old kind of homer style of writing but it's just because that's the way arabic poetry is it's very melodic it's very it's like it relies on rhyme a lot and that's what i enjoy writing yeah i, I mean th- th- those are some like great uh, great as you mentioned there when you basically can't read uh 
there's like certain creators that you you can't read or it's very hard to read without like making you cry like like Jeff the Mayor and like Daniel Warren Johnson like I mentioned earlier and yeah. like Brian K. Barnes got some of the like best comic books that or, or like the most popular comic books that like I hear about and of course like yeah like Magnolia and Sinkavich and yeah I think some like, legends in the industry so yeah I mean I feel like as a storytelling medium uh, you're you're having such a big asset which is the art to really sell the emotion of whatever story mm. you're trying to sell and it's it's good to take advantage of that you know um Dennis's work has been phenomenal on this issue and like by really portraying and selling the emotion of what Valerie's experiencing in a way that I can't convey with words alone and so mm-hmm. I, I that's why I love comics so much because it's a collaborative effort yeah definitely and have you read any Ram V of the... course yes yeah I love Ram the, the you know the that's of Lila Star was was one of the best comics of last year yeah because I, I I need to go back and read some of uh, his earlier stuff is some other ph- phenomenal artists, but things like Blue and Green, uh, I think was that like, the first thing from him I read. Was, was that like John John Pearson art, maybe? Um, oh no, An- Anna Darke, a ditch bit of cartomata. Yeah, that because that was uh, again with like the many deaths of the, the star with oh, oh yeah, Felipe Andrade. Because like so both of those books that. I remember some of the most like poetic that I've read, and that's sort of the one thing that came to mind when I and I recognize it might just be because I don't see you don't see much poetry in comics these days, but I think that is something that's very interesting to see and something that just it's always cool when you can bring in new elements to a comic to make it seem like unique and hopefully stand out. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I was able to do so. You have to find your voice at the end of the day. Like, there's so many... It's a huge market. Like, while it might seem that we're a small, very small community, but there are so many people out there who are doing, you know, the exact same thing, trying to also tell their stories. And unfortunately, there's only a limited amount of slots or, you know, positions at publishers or, you know, in, in the pull lists for you to tell that story. And so I really wanted to infuse, you know, who I am as a person and my, my background into my writing and I'm, I'm glad that I was provided the opportunity to do so yeah it, it's always great when you know you can do that and you create some of the most like again especially in indie comics when you have some of the most personal stories you'll see like you mentioned about Syrian poetry and how it's like um melodic like mm-hmm. uh, so, so that, that's always yeah <laughs> oh yeah so Dennis, you you mentioned a bit before about, we talked a bit before about the colouring. Was there any aspect of the, like, art process that was, uh, did you find, like, the the actual, like, drawing easier or, 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 like, the colouring or was it just all, all, like, one thing? What what was the sort of, like, breakdown of of, the process there? Um, Well, usually... You have uh, maybe thumbnails and then uh, some rough sketches and then inking and then coloring mm. and then lettering, but uh, we didn't really do that because uh, because no reason. <laughs> but I just, I just fair I, enough. I just uh, didn't thumbnail. I just sent over the roughs and, and this was like, uh, yeah, that's good. And I just went in from there because uh, the this book isn't really focused on line art specifically. Yeah. So I just wanted to blend it in. Uh, 
all of it at once. There were some parts were harder than others. There's the the infamous Silver Lake that was a pretty hard thing to do. We still joke about that. Um, and the funny thing is, I really want to do Silver Surfer someday. So that was a good good practice. Oh. And, and uh, so that was pretty hard. And um, I got stuck at, at some pages just because I got I got into my head a bit too much, you know. But uh, that 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 wouldn't be able to to be possible uh if this was on like a very tight publisher deadline uh, mm. but uh, yeah um but the process was basically uh like 10 pages of roughs get into uh the, the immediately into the finishing process uh send it over uh do a bit of praying but but and never said you need to go back and 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 fix this because it's ugly guy <laughs> and then at all uh, I had full faith with Dennis's work going and like I never felt like even if I if a certain page in the sketches I didn't quite understand what was going on I knew it would turn out fine at the end of the day yeah sometimes it was a bit messy or scribbly and I was like oh, well the you know trust me there, there's stuff going on here you know <laughs> yeah because <clears throat> as I was phrasing the question I was like oh hang on I'm just like assuming you've done it you have done it traditionally rather than you know, doing something different and yeah doing it doing it your own way yeah, well, that, that's just this book specifically. I don't think I would yeah. do it on any other books. And there's going to be books that I'm not coloring myself. Um, right, yeah. Still, I suppose so. Uh, but this book, uh, it, it's all me. So I can do uh, do it um, whichever way I please. And this, uh, this was the way. Yeah. What, what's this, like, digital or? Yeah, this is a digital uh, book. Mm. Yeah, because I, I know there's lots of... I, I don't know if you watch Francis Manipal's YouTube channel. No. But I, I, I know, like, he has lots of phenomenal artists. He has lots of, um, like, videos about different aspects of the his, like, process on, on YouTube. And because he does, like, a whole episode on, like, the differences between, like, digital and traditional art. So that's always something to... Yeah, it's just, like, another aspect, another choice of the process along the way. Yeah, um there's there's pros and cons to to mm. both uh, ways of doing it i suppose the the major yeah. pro uh, of digital working is that you can make mistakes you know which uh yeah which is hard to do uh, with analog work but um yeah there's also the aspect of just uh that the uh, it's very quick you can uh just uh, send a, a picture over and fix it easily uh also the the software that's available nowadays is just ridiculous you can just uh I mean, mm. you were wondering if it was digital or uh, traditional, like you said. So that yeah. is, nowadays you can really simulate that um, very well, like brush strokes or uh, paint strokes or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, the, the, there's so many different like tools and brushes and all of that that you can use. Absolutely. Yeah. So... You, you said you you have got letters by oh, Ringo nominated DC Hopkins. Yep. The font used for the lettering like fits well with the the whole that rest of the aesthetic where it's all quite sort of like loose. There's nothing particularly like it's all it blends in well with everything else. It doesn't look like superimposed. Yeah, we really wanted to be like a mm. kind of entry. Yeah. So. Was that something that you had lots of input on, or was that something that DC that was, that like, was all went DC. for? Or... Nice. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember. That. Yeah, we we uh, I think I mentioned it. I don't really clearly remember the conversation there, but 
I do remember that I wanted a specific type of font. Uh, right. We rounded comic-y, uh, if you will, because I didn't think it would uh, fit it at all. A bit of, not too scratchy either, because I don't like that either. Um, but but uh, it, it was, uh, you know, DC's work, DC Hopkins. Um, just uh, a little bit of suggestions uh, we gave. Yeah, because I know with like digital lettering, sometimes it it can it, again it's sort of impressive when when it's all created digitally that it can all look so like blended in and rather than and I guess as I mentioned it doesn't look sort of like awkwardly superimposed at all or it just sort of feels like part of the experience. Mm-hmm. But that's his uh, his skill, you know. That's why why mm. it's affected him and and uh, you know because you can ruin a book by with bad lettering. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, before we start to wrap up, do you have anything in mind that you would consider working together again for, or is that something on the table? Or... Oh, God, we have so no, many projects. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, I would absolutely love to work with Dennis again. Um, you know, we have plans on for projects that we want to do together, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do them soon. Um but as of right now, we're kind of just doing our own thing, you could say. Right, yeah. Yeah. Or are we? <laughs> are we not? <laughs> we would, I think, uh, I hope that we will be making books together like for the rest of our lives. Because this was a wonderful experience. And uh, like, like Anna said, we've become the best of friends and we talk every day. And I think uh, it's inevitable that we, we, we churn out some more books over the years. Oh, for sure. Just a matter yeah. of what. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the ideas and you can figure out when and how to like, publish them and everything, then why not? Yeah, it's just a matter of like figuring out the timing because we're both doing our own kind of projects right now, so it just mm. has to... Yeah, and so you mentioned earlier that you didn't really know what would happen with Ethereus when it got picked up by SourcePoint Press. What were, did you, what were some of the other avenues you had in mind if it didn't get picked up by any publishers would you have kickstarted it or i mean objects in the mirror didn't get picked up by any publishers and i ended up sending it over to zoop so right yeah that one that's true yeah and i'm I'm not opposed to crowdfunding at all of course like i you know i think it's uh, after trying it out it's a lot less scary than i used to think it is and um it's it's kind of uh nerve-wracking until you get that funding goal but once you're there it's you know it's smooth sailing um, but of course, a publisher comes with many benefits, just like for name recognition, getting your book in actual stores and, you know, your face on the shelves. I think that's very important. And, uh, yeah, the more you grow your portfolio with publishers, the more you can actually make bigger pitches with bigger publishers. So that was really the goal. Yeah. You can sort of build up your, your career like that. Exactly. Was there anything that you learned from your experience with the soup campaign that you would sort of change or maybe slightly adapt or just do, do the same way because it worked well the next time if you did another one for the zoop campaign yeah um i genuinely do not know <laughs> <laughs> i i am too like uh scared to even like it's still a bit of a bit daunting to consider going back and doing another one right now uh, yeah but if i do i know that i'm going to you know i might shoot for a bigger goal just because the the printing and shipping costs were quite higher than I expected, especially with, you know, uh, having a m- much more international following than a more U.S.-based one. So all of the books that were basically shipping to the U.S., or sorry, outside the U.S., 
it was at a loss. Like I would, I was not making any profit from those at all. Uh, so maybe the goal for the, for the next campaign would be a bit larger. Yeah, I suppose there's so much to consider with because uh, I, I know I've still had stories about like Kickstarters and it's like crowdfunding things when they like request an amount and then like people drop out and shipping costs increase and yeah, uh, I know that sometimes they can be a nightmare from what I've heard. I can't imagine. Yeah, but overall, I had a good experience, I would say, with Zoop. And, you know, Objects in the Mirror just shipped out to people and starting to arrive in their hands. And, you know, everyone's praising the quality of the, of the, of the you know, the printing. So I'm really glad with how it turned out. Yeah, nice. Because I, I saw you shared Lauren's funny neighbor buys photos of yep. when she got hers. Yeah, it, it did look great. So it's glad it worked out that one, at least. Yeah, I'm glad it did. So one of the... Final questions is, do you, either of you have any particular like big two characters from either Marvel or DC that you would be interested or would like love to draw one day if you got the chance? Or write or draw? I'll let you go first, Um, I'm a huge X-Men fan, so literally anything X-Men, I would be over the moon. But I'm also a huge fan of, you know, these weirder characters. Um, I love Squirrel Girl a lot. I love Spider-Woman. Um, I love Silver Surfer, of course. Uh, the cosmic side of Marvel is very near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah, when it comes to DC, I would love to do like a Zatanna book. Zatanna is one of my favorite characters, and I feel like she's very underrated. I would love to do a Jessica Cruz book because I, she's my favorite Lantern, and I think that she deserves a spotlight again. Um, mainly female characters. <laughs> I just love strong female characters. I mean, yeah, nice. No, so if that's what you like want to do, then there are so many great ones out there. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully, I get a chance to. What about you, Dennis? Well, uh, X Men as well. Any X Men book, we can do it together. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll do a gen a Generation X kind of book. All right. Like, yeah, just our <laughs> own uh, book, but uh, in the X Men universe that really catches fire. Yes, sure. That'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, any X Men book, but uh, single characters, I would love to do Silver Surfer. Uh, Doctor Strange is one I would enjoy too. I lo- like Trad Moore books, basically. Uh, and um, I love Hellboy a lot, as I mentioned, or anything in the uh, BPRD universe. There's, those stories are very good. Um, Sandman. Oof, I'd love to do a Sandman comic oh, someday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm sort of a, I collect a lot of books. I read a lot of books. There's not a lot of characters I wouldn't want to do, you know? <laughs> That's basically there's some some characters I wouldn't want to do, but not 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 a lot of them. I, I do yeah same most, here. most of them. Yeah, you know I can I can name a list like 500 characters. I mean I wouldn't say no to Batman. Come on, and uh, <laughs> or Daredevil or Moon Knight or whoever you know. Just all of them are an honor to be able to get some pages for. Yeah, I, I mean that's some of the most like notable and um, like popular characters in the world. So uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Yeah. Like you want to... But I'm thinking of what, what what comic books would have the the uh, uh, you could do the the coolest stuff in you know is is basically the the thing I'm thinking about. Yeah, because uh, uh, like Anna said about Sandman, that would be really interesting with the poetic nature of it, and it's always uh, cool when you can like do something like special and different, especially with these like characters that have been around for like decades and decades and so many ideas have been thrown at them yeah i think it's hard to do anything original with them uh at this point but it's just a a prestige job as well you know (laughs) from a 
from my perspective. It's just, uh, you know, I could uh, be in my deathbed when I'm 150, and I'll be like, I drew Spider-Man one day. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They they are the most notable characters in the world for a reason, so. Well, it's it's what what I grew up on. Makes sense. Yeah. I I would love to do a more, like, kind of low-key, like, C-list, D-list character, like, one of my favorite X-Men is, you know, Boom Boom, who's just now rising in popularity, thankfully. She's getting her just desserts. But I also, like, kill to do a Gwenpool book. I, I think I have some wild mm. ideas that I can incorporate into a Gwenpool book. That could be fun, because I, I know there are some people that might want to see her return, because it's been a few years since she appeared. I got I picked up the, the omnibus of that that came out recently mm-hmm. um, for my birthday a couple of weeks ago, so that, that was really fun. And I'm excited to dig into that when I get a chance. So much to read. So much fun. And so speaking of so much to read, my final, final question is, is there anything that you've had a chance to read lately that you've enjoyed or just, yeah? Uh, you know, I recently read Fellhounds and We Love You, which is coming oh, out nice. Scout Comics very soon. And I freaking loved it. Um, I thought it was very unique. The whole concept of you know uh, bleeding memories—it's it's very beautiful and it, it was very well executed. And uh, yeah, we keep joking about how both our books are about like dead girls. So we made like a whole dead girl winter thing because our books are coming <laughs> close to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I would recommend everyone to go check out Fellhound's work. It's it's very gut wrenching and beautiful. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that through like Lauren and through other people. I desperately need to check it out at some point. Yeah, there's you know when you draw comics, there's not a lot of time to read them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Last stuff I read was uh, I, I read uh, Black Science, which was really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love that book. Um, now reading some BPRD, and uh, I got I got a a Turtles uh, box set, an IDW. Turtles box set, which I'm gonna read, <laughs> which is just uh, you know because because I'm I'm an '80s kid, so <laughs> that's what happens. And uh, see what else. I really want to read Briar, which uh, looked good, uh, which is uh, from from Boom Studios. Um, oh yeah. And there's a couple stuff I have on uh, on order right now. Uh, step by bloody step is one. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what else? Just lots. You know, I have a big stack of to read lists. I read a lot of uh, 60s and 70s stuff as well. So Nice. Yeah, lots and lots to... No shortage of good stuff to read these days. <laughs> no, but there's there's so much in, the, in like, the history of comic books that, that people should read, too. Like, the forgotten stuff with not the big storylines. Like, I, I, I collect these, uh, the the epic collections, which do not have the... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So they, they just have um, comics by year instead of storyline. And that's fun to read. There's there's just a lot of nonsense there, you know. Like uh, I I, into, I now own the entire uh, Silver Surfer uh, line basically, and there's so much crap in there that you never, <laughs> never hear anything about, you know. And that's fun to read as well. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember when I talked about this, but it was an episode I recorded once when I, I talked about like the different layers of sort of my comic discovery, where I sort of first started with like collected editions and then I started reading single issues just just from Marvel and DC and then I started like checking out like Spawn and then I went to more like Image and now 
I went to like Boom Studios and Dark Horse and Sourcepoint Press and all of those like additional like indie publishers and there's like an interesting balance because there's like some good stuff, lots of good stuff coming out each week. But then as you say, there's like so many good stuff in, in like the decades gone by that you just like got to check out and from like a variety of like publishers, even from, yeah, just like whether it's like lots of popular stuff you need to check out and it's like obscure stuff that I always hear about that I need to read and yeah, endless amounts to read. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Good to see where comics came from, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. And just some good schlocky, campy stuff is fun, too. Yeah, yeah, you need that balance. Like, I... And I think... I sort of mentioned Murder Falcon earlier, but I think that's what's so cool about creators like Daniel Ron Johnson's work, where it's it's so, like, wild and out there, but it's not, like, wild and out there for the sake of it. Like, it still manages to ground itself with such an emotional core that the like sort of elevates it above anything else that might just be like start over substance because it, it has that substance as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah so do you two have anything else to say before we wrap up uh, maybe just where to find you please buy etheris <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm on all the socials all the networks um you know from twitter and instagram to hive and mastodon or whatever uh, you can find me at ns underscore Abdulhaq, which is just my name. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, same goes for me. Just please buy our book. <laughs> if this comes out before pre-order date, please pre-order it. It's very important. You know, it might get some shops to order some more copies because they think, hey, people want this book. Yep. And uh, yeah, me, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Dennis Minera. Uh, we both have last names that none of you can pronounce or spell, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's good uh yeah find us there we're very approachable <laughs> <laughs> yeah very friendly people <laughs> yeah and if you're listening to this the week it comes out then you should have i mean if you're listening to this the day it comes out you should have it just under a week to order but yeah I definitely highly recommend <laughs> thank you and thank you well, for yes yeah of course it, it was great to talk uh, I'm, I'm glad we could sort this out so yeah just have a great rest of your day thank you very much thanks welcome back i hope you enjoyed that conversation unfortunately that's all we got time for on this episode i want to thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening i would really appreciate it if you want to keep up to date on new episodes please subscribe and if you have any questions comments or suggestions you can email the show at joetalkscomics at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at joetalkscomics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at joelovescomics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye!